Swamiji, I read a saying of Paramhansa Yogananda that requires a little explanation. He said, seclusion is the price of greatness. What does that mean? I was just reading the life of Buckminster Fuller. He went through a period where he hardly spoke to anybody for, I think he was four years. His wife understood him, fortunately. Everybody else thought he was crazy, but he just withdrew into himself. It's only when you can become really centered in yourself that you can find who you are, what your own particular nature is. Everybody is unique, and most of us are just imitating other people. You see people coming out of a Western movie, walking as if they were bow-legged from riding a horse. <laughs> they, they imitate values, opinions, everything. Seclusion helps you to get into your inner self and to realize that this is what I am, this is what I have to do. It was after that period that Buckminster Fuller became greatly successful in this world. So seclusion, everybody in this world <clears throat> really owes it to himself to have a period of withdrawal from contact with other people, from contact with newspapers and public opinion, television, all that stuff. Just be silent, be in your own factory, you might say, to find out where the pieces are that you have to work with. It seems in this modern era that people's homes, in every room there's a television set. People are afraid to be alone. I never watch television. It, to me, it's a, it's a satanic thing. I was in a Roman barber shop, and uh, there was a television set there. And every two seconds they changed the scene. You can become hypnotized by that, and your mind becomes so restless that you can't accomplish anything. This is really one of the supreme curses of our age. There can be good done through it, too. And I, I myself am on television, and I hope that I'm doing some good. But basically speaking, most television... I remember a movie I was watching of the Song of Bernadette, uh, Bernadette of Lourdes, who became a saint and so on. She had this beautiful vision of the Virgin Mary and the beautiful music and everything. It suddenly cut Coca-Cola. It was just blasphemous. Mm. And uh, I think that we must be calm if we're ever going to find what life is all about. If people are afraid to find out what's inside of them, if they're afraid to be alone, what advice can you offer them? I say, God, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if people aren't going to take the first steps themselves, why, why should I talk to them about it? Um, some people say, do you need a guru? I say, no, you don't need a guru. But if you really know that you want God, if you want to change yourself, if you want to reach perfection, as Jesus said we should do, then you need somebody wiser than you who can lift you up to that state. And the same thing with advice. If people really want to, then I would say then turn off your TV. Mm -hmm. Don't have it in every room. 
Spend more time meditating. Take walks in the country. When you talk, talk about serious things. Don't always talk about what you just bought. Mm. And if you can do that, then realize we're here for a purpose and we can blow lifetime after lifetime just frittering it away on nonsensical things. Swami, how have you practiced seclusion in your life? Well, I have practiced by taking periods of seclusion. I have uh, tried to, this is in the past, in recent years I have not been physically able to be in seclusion in the same way. But uh, periods, of, I remember two weeks a year of complete silence, not speaking to anybody, meditating many hours a day. I know that's more than I can expect of most of my listeners here. But uh, nonetheless, if you can take some time every day to be with God, some time to be alone, don't feel that you've got to fill every second with some kind of distraction, mm -hmm. then you begin to face what is in your life, not what is just froth. It seems that uh, keeping silence, as you're mentioning, would be a way to become more powerful Very important. in your speech. Very important. So that your words actually carry authority and, and power. Is that true? You know, there's a story of St. Anthony of the Desert to distinguish him from St. Anthony of Padua. And he lived for 90 years in the desert. He had no one to speak with, but he had the experience of God. And the bishop at that time was very concerned because of the Arian heresy in which people thought that Jesus was only a man, that he was not the Son of God. Well, Jesus was not the Son of God in that sense. Christ's consciousness was. Anyway, he asked the Saint Anthony to come and debate with these people. He didn't have anything to say, but in the middle of the sermon of the service, where he said, I believe in Jesus Christ, so, uh, the only begotten Son of God, etc. Voices in the audience said he was a man, not a God. And St. Anthony didn't go into a long theological argument. He got up and he said, I have seen him. And because he had seen him, his words had power and nobody could say anything. When you have experienced something, it's altogether different from just saying it as an opinion. It contains power. Silence, silence gives you that power of conviction of what you, have to, what you have to say. A man of few words is likely to be a man with power in those words. Whereas people who fritter away the time with idle gossip, they can say anything, they can say the same words, but they won't carry conviction. It seems then that it's extremely important to be truthful in everything you say. Truthful, yes. I, I would like to distinguish between truth and fact. For example, if you're dying in the hospital and I come and say you're terrible, you look terrible, uh, it may put you over the edge. So it's much better for me to say, well, you could look worse or um, whatever you would. Uh, you don't look so bad, whatever it is, 
say something that would be true without being factual. Mm. Swami, uh, going back to seclusion, it sounds a bit austere. Is it enjoyable to do that? It's intensely enjoyable. I tell you that I went for two weeks to Lahagat, that's a little village in the Himalayan foothills, 7,000 feet, and uh, I, I just spent my whole time talking to God, meditating a long time, taking long walks, and uh, it was really a shattering experience to have to meet people, but I found that there was so much enjoyment in that that it took a lot of willpower to have to leave it. Duty forced me to come out, but I could have been there the rest of my life and never cared to go anywhere. It was so blissful. So if you, if you, um, if you meditate deeply, and if you talk to God, and make Him your companion, so it's not just a void. You're not talking to the air, to the air. Then you'll find that He fills every nook in your body, every cranny, everything that you could possibly want is filled by His love. Did you have to start gradually? I mean, could you take two weeks off the first try, or did you have to sort of work your I way into started it? Started over two weeks, yeah. Yeah. And the shattering experience of meeting people, it must be very jarring. Then. It was very jarring, but uh, I had to overcome it. That seems a danger of having seclusion. Well, I don't think so. I mean, you can overcome it. But to be in seclusion, yes, you do reach the point where you don't want to talk to people. If somebody comes to you and tries to talk, you do feel sort of shattered by it. You can do it. You, you can talk if you have to. I would say that's not a danger at all. You don't have to be concerned about um, madness or something like that. People <laughs> have all sorts of strange ideas about being alone. And Well, I was talking to God. I was not talking to myself, <laughs> except I could say it was my higher self. And uh, no, I, I, I really don't know anything about madness, so I just can't say. But I must say that I never was so clear in my mind as in that period, when, or in the different periods I've had of seclusion. And uh, I know we used to go out to the desert, and a brother monk of mine, after two weeks, he said one thing to me, he said, what's this? Because I had left some food in the frying pan. <laughs> and I told him what it was. It was the only, thing, only words we spoke in those whole two weeks. But it was absolutely beautiful. I just loved it. it would and seem... it was interesting that we also felt very close to each other because of that seclusion. It would seem that you would communicate on a much yes. deeper level. And in fact, I found that he would only have to have a thought and I'd say it. Mm. We would know each other's thoughts. So you were nearby each other then somewhere? Well, we had the two rooms in the same little hut. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So my seclusion was in one room, his was in another. We had a living room and a kitchen. Mm -hmm. So we had to share a little bit. But I found that in that, that our attunement became so close that we knew each other's thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The madness, no, you, madness is confusing the mind. This clarifies the mind. The more you were alone and the more you talk to God, the more you spend your time emptying yourself of all the madness of this world, mm -hmm. the more you become clear in your mind, the more you know what life is really all about. And it's a period of, I think everybody should have some time alone. Don't think that as soon as you get home, you gotta turn on the television. Mm -hmm. Spend some time with medita in meditation. Spend some time with God. Spend some time with your wife or husband in silence. You'll find you can communicate more deeply that way.